I think we'll go ahead and begin, just so to be sure you're in the right room, and I think you probably are since it's ladies. Um, Our topic is women in missions. My colleague, Troy, over here frowned when I said that. He is is suffering from discrimination. Uh, We're going to be talking about women in missions. Um, I will tell my story later in the talk, but uh, just so you have a little identity to start with. I spent my entire career as a general surgeon in the country of India as a missionary uh, and am now uh, officially retired from that role, but mobilizing healthcare people both to go short-term and long-term uh, overseas, all over the world. So um, that's the background that I bring to this topic of women in missions. It's some firsthand experience. So it, the things we want to talk about during our time together this afternoon really deal with these three questions. Do women have a unique role in mission service? What are some of the challenges that women face in missions And how can I, as a woman, prepare for mission service? Um, And this is really going to be the focus. I'll talk for probably 30 minutes or so, and then I want to give plenty of time for you to just ask questions. Uh, I was thinking when I walked in here, what if they don't ask questions? Well, I'll ad-lib or do something. But we'll just have a, a good time of sharing together. So be thinking about things, issues that perhaps you are confronting that you would like to talk about because very often those are the same issues that other people are having. When we think just generally, not just in health care, but we think about women in missions for all the many years, uh, they, they have done many things. Certainly women have been leaders in praying for missions. That's been true Uh, forever. Uh, Women are leaders in nurturing, uh, teaching your own children, teaching other children about missions. Even if you go back to scripture and you think about Timothy and his mother and his grandmother nurtured him and kind of, you know, made him receptive to God's special call on his life. Women have been so involved in mobilizing support for missions in the churches, giving through missionary societies of all kinds and descriptions. And then, of course, women have served both in domestic missions and international missions. So really, women have been leaders and key in just, you know, all of these aspects of missions. And then when we think about the roles that missionary women have had and do have, um, they kind of are mostly in these categories. Some have been real pioneers. They've they've been the people that opened the way in places. Uh, They've been involved in church planting, often working with women and children, the field of education, the field of health care, women involved in linguistics and translation work. These are some of the more traditional, um, common roles that women have in missions. Well, what about unique opportunities that we women uh, particularly enjoy? 
and probably foremost is the ability to reach women. In so many places in our world, especially Muslim cultures, but Hindu cultures as well, uh, and some others, but those two large groups especially, um, women have to be the ones to access women. So uh, we have a very unique opportunity in that respect. We have, therefore, related to that, access to homes. We're actually able to get into women's um, environment, inside their houses. We are then able more intimately to share with them uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. So we have a a unique opportunity in, in that respect. This third one, you may be a little surprised. You may think, well, when the going gets tough and the bombs are falling... Uh, Maybe uh, that's when women first leave. Not so. Um, As as one one viewpoint was, uh, women are thought to be the weaker sex. So um, the, the, the threatening parties don't feel any threat from the women, so they just let them be there and ignore them, and you can stay. Um, That's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, Just a few quotes. Ruth Tucker said, uh, Missionary service is one of the few vocations in which women have been more prominent in adverse situations than men. And then uh, Herbert Cain said, The more difficult and dangerous the work, the higher the ratio of women to men. And maybe you've not really thought about that before. But that, therefore, becomes a unique opportunity that we as women have um, when we think about the hostile situation. Um, This is a quote from a missionary to India back in 1881, just to tell you what this man thought. My honest opinion is that many of the ladies I have known have been superior to many of our male workers in all that goes to constituting the true missionary. Their intense earnestness, their love to the people, their zeal, their untiring energy, and their long-suffering patience have been far greater than in the men. Now, wouldn't it be nice to work with a male colleague like that? I assure you, not all male colleagues would probably... Uh, feel that way. But in the midst of our unique roles, we do face some challenges. Um, In preparing for this talk, I uh, read a wonderful book. It's on your bibliography. It is by Ruth Tucker, and it is entitled Guardians of the Great Commission, and it's about women in missions. Uh, I do recommend it. It was an excellent book. She deals with some of the challenges. I also did a sort of a very short uh, email interview with eight active women missionaries, some of whom are married and some of whom are single, and just asked some general questions, including what are the challenges. So let's uh, talk a little about some of these. Uh, One of the first ones has to do with family and ministry. Balance is very hard 
to achieve. You've got ministry, perhaps leadership role. You've got family. You've got around you physical need and tremendous spiritual need. And all those are, are pulling at you. And how do you successfully balance all of that? Um, that is definitely one of the big challenges. The husband's position uh, may be dominant. Um, he is the one with the job title under your mission agency, perhaps. And you're just, you know, going along. Even if you're a healthcare professional, that may be how it is. It varies among different um, sending agencies, and it varies perhaps with where you're going. But there you are. And how do you fit? Um, your children, if you are married and have children, they may need homeschooling. Well, you know, in my opinion, if I had to homeschool children, even one child, one grade, it would be like full-time. And if I had three or four and they were all in different grades, can you imagine? That's a challenge. And another part of family and ministry challenge is separation from your children. Um, with, our, with the advent of successful homeschooling, it's not happening as much as it used to. It used to be at like the first grade. Children were sent away, either left back in the home country or sent to some boarding school. But even now, especially by middle school or high school, many children go off to a boarding school. For a mother, for a woman, that is very, very hard. And your expectations may not match the expectations of others. Uh, maybe you're going to the field as a health care qualified person and you think you're going to be able to do so many wonderful things and you get there and everybody else is expecting you to fit in and teach your kids and do no telling what other things. Well, for a season, that may be necessary. But meanwhile, you've got expectations that now aren't being met. And when that happens to somebody, you know it's hard. And so that's a challenge. Well, then there is the single missionary. Uh, you know, as we think about this, why are we differentiated? I am a single missionary. Well, you know, we don't talk about single nurses or single waitresses or single whatevers. But so often we refer to these people as single missionaries. You know, the unclaimed treasures. I, I read something funny. Uh, one, one woman was, uh, you know, something was asked of her about being single. Oh, or did she have a husband? And she said, uh, no, he died at birth. <laughs> so I thought, well, that you know, that's a pretty good answer. Um, but we are, we, there may be differentiation, sometimes even uh, condescension. Well, you're single. You know, you're, you're not even half of a team. You're just out there. Uh, another thing, um, to use a not very nice word, is dumping. 
And, uh, oh, you're single. That means you have so much extra time. Uh, we will give you many extra jobs. Uh, you would, I've, anything that has to be done at odd hours, of course, the single person ought to do, right? That happens in America. Well, it happens overseas as well. These can be challenges. Loneliness, big challenge. And, but this is not common to the single woman. This may also apply to the married woman. And this is not geographical. It's accentuated when you're overseas because you have fewer alternatives to, to meet the problem. If you're in a way out in the boonies, you really have very few alternatives. But this is a challenge that you should expect and try to prepare for. Um, well, we need to talk about sex discrimination. You say, oh, but a missionary, surely that doesn't happen. Well, uh, it does. Um, as you think of a missionary woman who uh, is demanding equal rights, we do not want to be accused of being feminist. A feminist is advocating for self. A missionary woman, hopefully, who is advocating for equal rights, she has denied self to be there. That's not her motive. It's, it's a totally different motive. She's not after power. She's not after money. She's not after anything except fair treatment. So there, there is a difference. Uh, how to balance these two? Submission, submission to God's direction, submission in working in a team, and yet assertion. She is there. She is a member of the team. She does have her training. She does have leadership ability. Uh, she can do these things. Those have to be balanced. Maybe she's given men's jobs to do, but then she doesn't have any voice at the table. You know, she does the work, but when it comes to decision-making, conferences, maybe she does not have opportunity to speak. That, too, can happen. Um Lack of representation in field conferences and board meetings. Deciding strategies. Maybe she's excluded. It's interesting, I read about some women in mission history who uh, weren't allowed at the top level of strategy planning, but still were able to get their ideas communicated one of them was a woman who, whose idea resulted in the founding of Missionary Aviation Fellowship. Another was a woman whose idea resulted in the founding of Gospel Recordings. Another was a woman whose idea about language learning resulted in the LAMP method, uh, language acquisition made practical. Um, those are just examples. But... Those women who, who had those ideas, it, it had to be, it, it took a lot to get them communicated because they were not allowed leadership and strategy. Well, 
I want to tell you a little bit about this missionary. Some of you may have heard of her. She was not a health care missionary, but uh, she was a single lady. And she went to China in 1873. Um, so far as her singleness, uh, she she was one who, who said that, you know, she broke an engagement. And the reason she did was she said God's claim on her life was clear to her. And anything that contradicted that just wasn't on. And she broke the engagement. Well, she goes to China, single woman, uh, it actually took her 10 or 12 years of uh, uh, discussion with the mission board before she got sent because they weren't sending single women. Single women had to go out with a couple, which she finally did. She was assigned to teach in a girls' school. That was the traditional female role. Well, she gets there, and... Um, and, of course, this, the need, the people who had never heard of Jesus was just huge. And she realized there were so many rural and remote villages where nobody had ever been. And she should go there. Well, that just wasn't what women did. But she insisted, and she went to talk to men. Well, she writes back to the mission board and said, how can I let these heathen men go to hell without Jesus because I didn't tell them? So, of course, she talked to men. She wasn't allowed to preach, so she did what was actually a wonderful missionary strategy thing. She trained up uh, new believers, men, who became the leaders and the pastors and multiplied. But this is an, an example of somebody in mission history. Well, how to overcome challenges. How to meet the challenges. The bottom line, and if you don't take anything else away today, it's this. Whatever happens to you in future, wherever you go, whatever you do, here or there or anywhere else, you must be certain of God's call. That is all that will keep you going forward. You need to understand that need does not constitute a call. It is not, you don't go to uh, Timbuktu because there are a lot of folks there that need health care in Jesus. It is absolutely true, they need health care in Jesus, but that is not why you go. You go because God sent you there. Submit everything to God. And then trusting. Be obedient to God's direction. Be flexible. And you may need to adjust your expectations a bit once you get there because it may not be quite as you expected. Develop relationships, especially with women. Um, if, if you are having trouble going out into places, invite them into your home. Uh, this was really how I, on the mission field, dealt with loneliness. Um, my social life, a lot of it happened in my own house. I just invited them to come to me and had, had wonderful times. Um, if you're single, capitalize on it. You do have some extra freedom. 
that others do not have. Um, you are able to unexpectedly, emergently respond to situations in ways that others cannot. And one of, one of the single missionaries today wrote me and said, you know, in this culture where I live, uh, so many people felt sorry for me because I was single that they all started inviting me to their homes. And she said, I ended up with so many friends and so many wonderful relationships and now I just go so many places. So um, capitalize on singleness. If you are married, have a true partnership with your husband. In the marriage, each of you should be called. But you also should be called as a couple. And a true partnership doesn't mean you're always side by side doing the same thing. That That's not what I mean. I mean that each of you, your ministry supports the other one. It fits together like a real team. Um, Dr. Clara Swain was the first medical missionary sent out uh, to a non-Christian world, a, a doctor. She went out in 1870 from the Methodist Church in the United States to India. Uh, her call really came because she was aware that high-caste Hindu women in India had no access to health care unless they had a female doctor. And therefore, she went. She always put uh, sharing Jesus with her medical practice. She taught people. She established a hospital. Uh, it's a great, great story. She was the first fully accredited woman physician um, ever sent out by any missionary society into any part of the non-Christian world. So her story is one that's worth reading. The next lady I can just mention briefly is Dr. Ida Scudder. Now she too um, was in India. And uh, the story of her call was just great. She grew up in India. Her dad was a doctor in India. And uh, she, <laughs> she resolved she wasn't going to do that. So uh, she'd gone home to America to school and uh, went back to see her folks on a, a holiday, a vacation. One night, while she was there with her parents, uh, there came three different men to the door. Each wanted medical help for their wife in labor, having problems. They wouldn't let her dad go because he was a man. One was a Muslim, one was a high-caste Hindu, and, and one other, I've, I've forgotten what he was. The next day, there were three funerals in that town. And she knew that all three of those women had died because there was no woman doctor to attend them. She went back to America. She went to Cornell University, was one of their first women graduates. She uh, went back to India in 1901. She established the Christian Medical College in South India for women to be trained as physicians. Um, this is a remarkable institution, now more than 100 years old, um, huge today. It's been uh, co-educational since the late 40s because of an accreditation requirement. 
But Dr. Ida was a remarkable woman. And now I'll just tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I was, uh, I grew up in the home of a, a Baptist pastor. And I heard about missions forever. When I was probably about two years old, I learned my first Bible verse, and I think it was God is love. And I became a follower of Jesus when I was five. Uh, at the age of 13, uh, we were having a missions emphasis in our church. There were missionaries there. And uh, I, of course, the preacher's daughter, I, I was there. And it was during that week that God spoke to me about personal involvement in missions. I was already interested in medicine, and God had put that there as well because I had no clue uh, what that meant, what that looked like, education requirements, nothing. Um, So time passed, all the education happened, and ultimately... I ended up in a surgical residency in Dallas, uh, Texas. Uh, I was the first woman uh, resident in this program. Well, sex discrimination hit home uh, early on in my life. And if you look at this group picture when I was a senior resident, uh, you will observe that I was the only woman in the group. That was a wonderful training program professionally uh, to prepare me for surgical work in India. And so I arrived at the Bangalore Baptist Hospital in 1974, in the beginning of 74. And the hospital was new. It was just open. Um, And uh, over these years, interestingly enough, it was Dr. Ida's hospital that ultimately became the manager of Bangalore Baptist Hospital where I served. Um, In the 1990s, we started educational programs, um, allied health, nursing school, residency training for doctors, and uh, a chaplaincy training program. And over these 41 or two years, there's been a steady expansion of facilities and services. I had many roles. Obviously, I saw people in clinic. I was in the OR. Um, Because I was a woman, I talked about unique opportunities that women have. Well, I didn't always look on this as an opportunity, but uh, I did a lot of OBGYN in my years there. It did give opportunities. I related to a lot of women patients and um, helped the population explosion of India. I had a lot of administrative responsibilities over the years, including the CEO of the hospital. Um, I had no clue that I was gifted in that area. I was, um, I became the CEO and realized quickly that our competence comes from God. I also learned that I had gifts that I didn't know I had, but God, of course, had given them to me and knew that I had them. Um, I was involved in teaching. I was responsible, really, for starting most of the educational programs and um, getting them accredited, curriculum design, and so forth. And the actual classroom teaching I loved, um, especially in the nursing school. As I said, I invited people to my home. I used it not only for my own social life, but my home was a place of witness. 
and often I invited non-Christian friends uh, to my home. Um, my side interest is music. Had I not been a doctor, I might have been a musician. And I never thought in India I'd use it. But we had a hospital choir, and I accompanied and directed the choir. This was a time we actually had opportunity to appear on uh, government TV. And it was a wonderful avenue of witness and something, of course, I thoroughly enjoyed. And then I was very much involved in church planting. Um, In my last 10 years of missionary service, I was 36 years with the International Mission Board of of Southern Baptist. Uh, My last 10 years, I was responsible for strategies to start churches in our state of 60 million people uh, in South India. So my experience as a missionary certainly was varied. Did I face some of those challenges? Indeed. Um, I remember right off when I got to India, the first year that I was there, um, we had another surgeon, a missionary, would you believe, on the staff. Um, And I remember... I, I guess we we never talked about it. I didn't bring it up. I, I think he probably was one of those uh, people who maybe was skeptical about other about surgeons who were women. I think there was a little issue there. But two or three times he came along behind me in the wards and changed orders on my charts without telling me. Um, that I considered to be uh, not correct. And, uh, you know, so that was just an example. Throughout my missionary career, um, as a woman, there were actually limits on the leadership positions that I would be allowed to have within my mission agency. Uh, It was never stated. It it just was a fact. And I I didn't, you know, protest it um, because I had more than enough to do. Um, But... Um, you know, it, it's reality. Loneliness, yes, definitely. I was single. And uh, I've told you some of the things I did to combat that. Um, there were challenges, absolutely, uh, relating to uh, men in that culture and patients who were men, interestingly, was not really a problem. And probably that's because I was the foreigner. And uh, as a doctor and a foreign doctor, I guess they figured, you know, maybe I was okay. uh, Or else they had no option. Um, This is the hospital, just one part of it today. And it's um, treating last year almost 260,000 patients. And when I compare that with the 40 per day that we would see when I arrived on the scene, it's certainly different. And I feel very, very blessed at this stage of my career that that I can see um, a hospital that's retained its Christian ideals. They are winning people to the Lord. They are starting churches um, and yet having an effect on just hundreds of thousands of people every year. Uh, 320 beds now, it was 40 when I went, Um, multi-specialty, tertiary-level care. So now what about you? A woman in missions. What's the next step? Whatever level you are now, some of you are professional women, some of you are students. 
um, continue to develop your spiritual disciplines. This is true of all of us. Um, the time that we spend uh, with the Lord in Bible study and prayer, our personal devotional life, um, it, it is something lifelong that we should continue to develop and strengthen. Learn about the world. Uh, don't have your head in the sand and kind of not know what's going on. Learn about the world in the political, physical sense. What are the physical needs? What are the political issues? Where is war happening? What, what are all these things taking place? As you read the newspaper, which you probably don't, but I still do, um, however you get the news, you can pray as you, as you hear or read it. Um, spiritual needs of the world. You need to make yourself fully aware. Uh, Operation World is a good resource. Uh, there are all kinds of websites you can go to, the Joshua Project or whatever. Um, learn about the spiritual needs of our world. It would be great for especially you younger folks to connect with a missionary mentor, um, preferably one that has persevered and been out there a while. How did they do it? How, what were their tips for survival? Um, if you can, um, through whatever connections you have, find this kind of person, even by email or Skype or whatever, this is good. I would say that all of you should be reading missionary biographies. I've put just a very few on the list, but there, there are many. Uh, they may be healthcare people or they may not, but I know for me this was so important. And as I understood my call, as I understood my role, uh, as I went out to work, um, and it was just an encouragement and inspiration. Don't think that you will just go overseas and start sharing your faith if you have never done it before. You start here, now, in your present situation. Um, sometimes as I say this, people say, well, you know, I'm mostly with Christian people. Well, then go somewhere else, you know, shop in a different store or something. Um, change your path. Uh, share your faith now and look for cross-cultural opportunities now. Um, they're not hard to find in any size community in America. Um, Look for ways to start developing your cross-cultural skills. And you can do that right now. And then, of course, in the professional area, whatever is your healthcare professional area, either you're a student or a professional person, um, be sure that you're prepared professionally. For you students, you need to be sure your education is complete. Um, your uh, certifications need to be complete. Uh, even after you go to the field, it is important that those certifications be maintained and kept up to date. Um, very, very important. This is a quote from one of the ladies I corresponded with. 
Never set limits on God or be driven by your feelings and know that health care can be the most effective way of reaching hearts with the healing of the gospel. Another quote from an active missionary. When I ask this question, what gives joy amidst the challenges and the everyday things? Seeing friends come to Christ, giving someone their first Bible, baptizing new believers, partnering with local church, and working together. Life verses for me all of my years have been Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Maybe you're wondering, what is God's will for my life? What am I to do? Is it missions overseas? Is it missions in America? Am I to serve him through my professional work here in the U.S.? God has a special plan for each of us. Um, He has promised direction. So that makes you secure. But there's a little if there. You must submit completely. You can't put qualifications on responding to God's direction. Um, You can't say, well, if I can get married, yeah, I'll go, but I'm not going by myself. That won't work. God can't direct if you haven't submitted everything. Um, So that is the encouragement and the admonition that I'd like to leave with you this afternoon. Um, Just know that God will give direction as you seek to know his direction and as you are willing to do anything in any way, in any form, that he may direct. We have some time now for questions, and uh, I'll be happy to entertain some questions. How did you kind of decide issues that you needed to deal with, like the other surgeon, or like issues that you were not going to take on? Her question is, when facing um, uh, issues of of, um, questioning leadership and maybe blocks, how do you decide which battles to fight, uh, to put it in in that form? Um, You pray a lot about it. Uh, it, it just you just analyze each situation and and decide what is important. If it's important only to you personally, it's probably not worth fighting. If it's something that affects your ministry, your witness, uh, your being there, um, your function, ability to function freely, then probably it's worth a conversation. And like, you know, in dealing with conflict, um, being an adversary is not going to help anything. So you try to look for constructive ways to address these issues. Um, Solutions to problems. It's great to go tell somebody this problem, but you ought to have some idea what to do about the problem before you go to tell them the problem. 
So I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, you examine your own motives in whether or not to to take up the issue. Another question. Yes. I'm a librarian, so I don't fit in too much with these. But on your suggested reading list, I was talking to some of the ladies here. If you have, are in school, get one of your reference librarians and ask them to get these materials for you through in a library loan. Um, community college, get your reference librarian because they are invaluable people to be able to find the material that you need to be able to support yourself both mentally and spiritually. Um, if you're not in school, get your public library because they do have ways to get materials for you through worldwide interlibrary loan. And it might take a few days or a few weeks to get it for you, but I've gotten stuff that was uh, published in the 1800s from Scotland for some of my students that were working on research. So make use of us. Thank you for that. For the sake of the recording, I'll just summarize it. Uh, she is a librarian. And um, in thinking of, of the suggested readings that I've given you or any other materials, um, use your libraries. If you're a student, your college library or your public library in your town, and they can find ways to get books through interlibrary loans and, and so forth. So take advantage of your libraries. Thank you so much. Somebody else? Yes? My question is about physical safety as a single woman on the mission field. Um, because you mentioned actually that when there's dangerous situations, a lot of times the women are the ones who stay. Um, what advice do you have about managing that well? Uh, her question is about physical safety and, and advice about managing uh, threatening situations like that. In my own experience, um, several things. I think, first of all, I would say my national uh, colleagues or friends uh, it was their advice that I mainly followed and still do today. If they ever told me, don't go into such a place, I didn't go, even though I didn't understand that there was any problem. Um, and so I, I, I freely, almost any time I was really going out anywhere, I asked that question of somebody that I trusted and who knew me and knew why I was there. Um, so that's that's one thing. Uh, the second thing, I, I, this may sound kind of trite, but, you know, use some common sense. Um, I, I have been with colleagues, missionary personnel in various places and heard them tell stories. And... You know, it sounded to me like, you know, they tell about some horrible situation they got into. Well, I didn't understand why they were there in the first place. I mean, you know, when there's unrest in your city, you stay home. You don't go somewhere. Uh, that's just an example. 
And so common sense helps as well. Um, can you anticipate every situation? Of course not. Um, and, you know, you just have to do the very best you can. Uh, whatever security measures are usual in your place, if, you know, some parts of the world, either because of, of theft or terrorism, have guards, uh, well, if that's true, then you have a guard. Uh, you know, things of that nature, according to your local scene. Does that kind of help? Um, you know, hopefully, uh, even if you're not with any other Westerners, you will have some trusted national persons, um, at least one, who, who will kind of watch your back. Yes. When you are in a place and a woman wants to accept Christ, but she is threatened by her husband or prevented by her husband, what do you do? That was basically the question. Um, still, it is a matter of individual faith. So you still um, can go ahead and lead her to faith. What she will be able to do about that, whether she'll be able to have scripture, she may not. Uh, whether she can openly attend a group, she may not. Um, you look for any ways possible to disciple her um, that will still keep her in safety. Now comes what I don't have an answer to. Um, we are to publicly profess our faith before men. That's scriptural. Um, we are to confess our faith. Um, we are to share our faith. And so when you come to that in discipling her, then it's hard to know exactly what to say. I, I don't have a clear-cut answer. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to lead her and you for the correct time, the correct way, the correct place in which her faith can be professed. Um, for many who believe in Jesus, it can be at risk of their life. And that is known. And we know that Jesus told us that was going to happen. Um, and you don't need to feel responsible that you've brought death to somebody just because you told them about Jesus. You have to tell them about Jesus. Another question. How have I responded to those who have had objections uh, to my going as a single missionary woman? Um, I haven't had too many objections, but I can think of one right off. I had been in country a year. 
um, during that year, when I went, the hospital on this 15-acre piece of land uh, had just one building, and it was barren. And in the course of that year, we began to build other things, including a duplex with two apartments. So, you know, I, I got called in a lot at night. And I was driving three or four kilometers on a very narrow country road in the middle of the night alone. So it seemed to me that I should live in one of those apartments. My missionary colleagues said, uh, you're a single woman, and that's not uh, safe. I thought, well, is it safe what I'm doing now? And they said it would take away my witness from the neighborhood in which I lived my first few months, which made no sense to me because I was witnessing to my patients. Well, how did I respond to that? I told them I was going to move to the hospital campus. <laughs> and I did. Uh, and it proved to be the absolute right thing to do. But that's just an, that is one, I think, the single issue came in. Uh, they probably wouldn't have identified it exactly like that, but I knew. Yeah, we, we often know when these things happen. I have two sisters who are single missionaries, so they think that actually quite often this thing is uh, I had another time years later, a missionary wife, uh, we had done one of these uh, personality profile things, you know, supposed to help you relate to each other better. <laughs> so... <laughs> We had done this, and, you know, we shared it, as you do. And and I was very, I'm very much of an introvert, kind of off the scale, which you might be surprised, but it's true. And so when this was shared, this wife came to me, and she said, you mean when you tell us that you don't want to come to our house for supper, it's because you want to be by yourself? I said, yes, that's correct. <laughs> well, you know, it's total revelation to her. And, uh, you know, she she hadn't figured out what to do with the single missionary. And that was a woman. That was not a man. Somebody else. Yes. Conflict among missionaries. This is as old as people. And unfortunately, missionaries are not exempt. Um, You read these biographies, you'll find it. Did I experience it? It was awful. And I think, you know, I didn't have any real culture shock. I didn't really have trouble... With that, I knew it was going to be different. And I even had some understanding of tensions with missionary colleagues. But I really had no idea that it would be as 
confrontational as it was. How do you deal with it? It's really hard to say. It comes back to how you deal with any conflict. Um, I think first, and, and this is what I teach medical students even now, the uh, first thing I do is have a conversation with me. And am I at fault in some way? Is there something I'm doing that's contributing to the conflict? Do I have a motive that's messed up? Something. If, if there is, then of course I need to fix it. If I can't see that, then I need to go have a conversation with those who with whom I'm having some difficulty in the mission and try to understand where they're coming from, what is causing them to say whatever they said. Very often, it was a conflict between a medical person and non-medical folks who couldn't understand why you needed so much money to buy a ventilator for an ICU. Or, I mean, you know, and, it, and that would become a major conflict. And they had no clue what a ventilator did. I mean, and it was, it was just out of their ignorance that they, you know, so conversation and communication, working on your communication skills will do something, hopefully, to relieve conflict. Uh, prayer is another thing. Be sure your team is regularly praying together. Together. Yes, you pray for each other when you're home each morning, but in the same room together. And this this can do a lot. If you can study God's Word and pray together, it's going to help you overcome those conflicts. So those are just some of the steps that, in my experience, I have found very useful. Some other question? Yes? Um, you mentioned that balance is obviously hard with family and ministry, but you have so many interests, and I'm similar. You did clinicals, you did surgery, and teaching, and church planting, and how did you just maintain work-life balance? And that is such a good point. It isn't just family that has to be balanced. The single person has that issue as well. It looks different, but sometimes it's almost worse because the married person almost surely has to give some priority to family. But we don't know what to give priority to. Um, It is a constant thing. I am now almost 71 years old, and I'm still fighting the battle. Um, Again, prayer. Um, your priorities is is true in life no matter what you do your priorities change from time to time and which of those roles may be the priority and and the most time consuming now may not be later Um, so that's that will affect how you balance these things um You know, people accused me of being a workaholic. Well, I wasn't. You know, I love to have a good time. I love to read books. I like to sit and play the piano and listen to music. But, you know, uh, when you have the health and physical energy to do what God has put in front of you to do, 
then uh, I always figured you just did it. And, um, you know, hopefully I stayed reasonably sane and <laughs> together. Um, but it, it's, I think the, probably the key, the key is recognizing that there needs to be balance. It's when you don't realize it and you're just plowing ahead, you know, helter-skelter with 500 things. Um, but if you know that this is something, and every so often, you know, um, once a month, sit down with yourself for a few minutes and, and assess, okay, are the priorities still right? Am I still going the correct direction? Do I need to adjust something? Uh, am I okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm still okay. Um, that's, that's sort of how I see it. One more question. Uh, I am here representing Baptist Global Response and uh, the International Mission Board. Both are Southern Baptist entities. And we have a booth. It's in the upstairs. And I will be around the whole weekend. And I thank you so much for your attention. And if anybody didn't get one of those bibliographies, I think there were enough on the tables, but we have plenty. So just come tell us. Thank you so much.